Blog Talk Radio. everyone this is the august 8th 2015 don't let it go unheard it should have been the august 7th 2015 but those of you who joined me here last night got to watch in the chat room as i did a blow by blow about me trying to connect into blog talk radio but it sounds like i am connected now craig in the chat room here says that he heard the music so for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time. My name is Amy Peekoff. This is called Don't Let It Go Unheard. The name of the show is due to an essay by philosopher Ayn Rand. The essay was called Don't Let It Go, and the it in Don't Let It Go is the American sense of life. And so what we've been about here is talking about news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, but with an eye on always looking at what is the American sense of life like and how, you know, how good is it? Is it like the sense of life that has, in effect, saved us from totalitarianism all of these decades where it's been creeping or is it getting worse? So that is something that we will be talking about more explicitly tonight in light of the popularity of certain candidates it's the post-debate debriefing. That's the title that I have. So we're just calling this post-debate debriefing number one because I anticipate that as all the various debates come through the 2016 season that we will talk about them here. Mark in the chat room says, thanks for rescheduling. Of course. And, I, you know, I, I wanted, to, it was funny because I, I was thinking of doing the show on Saturday again and I had actually told Ed, who's sitting here in the chat room, that... I was thinking of doing it on Saturday, but because everything was fresher in my mind yesterday, that tipped the scales. I said, no, I'm going to go ahead and do it on Friday. So I get in here and I try and I try to connect. And from what I understand, the technical difficulties were fixed probably minutes after I gave up last night. You know how that is Murphy's Law. But I had no technical support. I only found out that it was fixed sometime last evening by going on Twitter. So we will have our post-debate debriefing tonight. And I was listening to your own Brooks show earlier today. He's moved his show to Saturdays during the day. I think he starts his at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. And we have a really good division of labor going because he was discussing, in essence, what the debate might have been and ought to have been in terms of the questions asked and answers given. But what I'm going to be talking about here more is your impressions of the actual debate as it was. 
And that's something that Yarone didn't spend too much time talking about. But of course, I grilled him with the four questions today. I called in and gave him four different questions that I wanted answered, things that I could see that I would like to ask candidates myself, but also questions that are at the top of minds of, of you know, voters today. For instance, the amnesty question, you know, will you give them amnesty? Forget what the ideal policy, what are you doing with the immigrants who are here, that sort of thing. Uh, just Jean says, thanks for rescheduling. She wasn't available. So it must have been just Jean. <laughs> Deborah says, I know what I would like to ask Trump. Nothing. You know, just before uh, the show started here, I started listening to a clip. Donald Trump did an interview on the show called Morning Joe. And when I was in Yaron Brooks chat room earlier today, someone who was listening to Yaron who might be sympathetic to Trump. I wasn't really getting the sense because I was kind of in and out of the chat room. But this person posted a link to this morning Joe as basically saying, okay, here's what Trump stands for. And they were talking for a while, you know, he was a successful businessman. He's going to bring that energy, you know, to the White House. And I mean, this guy's the front runner right now. So then you want to know what his policies are. And so I don't know the names of the personalities on Morning Joe. I guess their guy must be Joe, maybe. Um, but there's a woman who's a co-host with him, and she says, okay, you know, give us one policy. What's a policy? And he says, oh, you know, we could talk about it all day. And then he, he starts talking about two things. The first thing he talks about is Obamacare. And he says, oh, you know, Obamacare is going to is, you know, starting to now be phased in. And, you know, it's really being implemented, so it's going to really start hurting us. But then he didn't say what he's going to do directly about Obamacare. Then he went into the so-called trade imbalance, right? And he talked for a while about he's basically going to fix our so-called trade imbalances with these other countries. He's going to get these really good and tough negotiators to negotiate with Japan because how dare Japan send all these awesome cheap cars to us. Uh, he's going to have great people negotiate with China and this and that. And, you know, isn't it horrible that we're bringing in all these cars without tariffs on them or, you know, high enough tariffs or whatever it is. So he's going to fix it. He's going to make it so that we're exporting more stuff. It's all about the trade balance for him. He has no sense of economics. He thinks he's just going to go in there and get strong negotiators to make sure that we're, I guess, exporting more than we're importing and we're going to charge higher tariffs. And that's somehow going to fix things. That's going to make up, I guess, for the extra cost of Obamacare. It's hopeless. I mean, it's really hopeless. So I'm actually glad that I didn't spend too much time listening to it. But yeah, that's what I was doing just before. Here, I just wanted to get a sense of, you know, if he even gave us anything. So uh, just Jean says that she doesn't want to ask Trump anything either, especially after the debate. <sighs> Pig fan. Pig fan is going to is going to preempt some of my comments here. Pig fan here in the chat room says the Fox News team pre-debate, you know, they're talking about how they're going to handle this. And they say, OK, guys, our objectives are plain and simple. Destroy Trump and pretend Cruz doesn't exist. And indeed, that might be exactly what they were doing, right? Um, I did not time the exact interval myself. I lived through this interval, so I believe that the timing that was done by a friend of mine is correct. But a friend of mine on Facebook timed it. 
and found that in the very middle of this two-hour broadcast, right in the middle of this broadcast, there were 56 straight minutes in which Cruz was not asked a single thing, not allowed to chime in on any topic for 56 minutes. Now, before that happened, he was able to get in the best line of the entire night because they actually did ask him about ISIS. And so I would say, you know, this is the the poll quote of the whole night. Actually, when I tweeted this, I just, you know, typed up this quote and put it out in a tweet. Uh, Cruz said in part of the answer, he says, if you join ISIS, this is what a commander in chief should say. If you join ISIS, if you wage jihad on America, you are signing your death warrant. That's what he said during the debate. And apparently they do all these little, you know, poll meters and stuff, and they have all kinds of graphs with lit up colors and whatever. And this graph went crazy when Cruz was giving this little spiel, this short answer, and they loved it. They loved it. I myself, when I just tweeted that out on Twitter, it was just Cruz, you know, this. I didn't give any witty commentary about it or nothing. It was just quoting Cruz. I got 186 retweets, which for me is a lot. Uh, Pig fan says, correction, 44 minutes. I don't know. You'll have to duke it out with, uh, I've got uh, Donatio on um, Facebook, I believe, did a little thing with his DVR. So, um, but if you have a two-hour broadcast and if it's anywhere between 44 and 56 minutes, right in the middle of this broadcast where you have millions and millions, an unprecedented size audience in the millions watching this broadcast. I think they said it was the largest audience for a non-sports cable broadcast ever. Imagine that they shut him out for all that time. So that means people who tuned in only in the middle, they never even see Cruz. And nonetheless, I have to give you some statistics about how well Cruz did. So not only did, you know, that on that one particular um, quotation, did everything light up super well. Um, the other thing is all kinds of polls looked really good for him. There is the Drudge poll, and apparently that poll isn't super scientific, but if you, you know, believe the numbers there, number one was Donald Trump. I am surprised at this, but I guess I'm not supposed to be surprised. Uh, we can talk about why do you think Trump has any appeal in, in a few minutes. But in that dredge poll, Cruz was number two. So imagine for this huge chunk of time in the middle of the debate, Cruz isn't even getting airtime and he comes across as number two. Uh, Frank Luntz, who is the analyst who had the little focus group and everything during the debate and after the debate, he declared the debate great news for Ted Cruz. Charles Krauthammer, right after it was over, named Ted Cruz a, quote, winner of the night. But then apparently after that, didn't say anything else. And people wonder whether Fox News is telling him to uh, shut up about how well Cruz is doing. Uh, the press enterprise wrote, quote, Cruz drew hearty applause when he called for border security and when he accused GOP leaders of not honoring their commitment to conservative principles. The conservative review argued that, quote, while most of the candidates seem to have solid moments and heartfelt convictions on an issue here or there, one man always stands out as having the full passion, depth of knowledge, resoluteness, fighting spirit, 
an inviolable record on almost every issue of our time. That man is Senator Ted Cruz. Now, mind you, they did not ask Cruz about the IRS, about Obamacare, about Common Core, about all sorts of issues on which he could have shown really brightly. Instead, they asked him questions about, were you called by God? And just, I mean, questions that didn't give him a whole lot of opportunity to talk to his strengths, except for this foreign policy issue. And of course, he hit that one out of the park. So imagine what he might have said about Obamacare that would have energized people. Imagine what he could have said about Common Core when Jeb Bush and Rubio were sitting there just kind of floundering on that issue. Um, But yeah, Cruz could have knocked many of these things out of the ballpark. Uh, Washington Post observed this, and I think this is one of the most significant things. I mean, think about this again. Two-hour broadcast. 44 minutes at least, someone else said 56, but you know, somewhere in between there, in the middle of a two-hour broadcast, you don't hear a peep from this guy. And nonetheless, listen to this from the Washington Post. They observe, quote, the most Googled candidate in the debate at any point was Ted Cruz, with 67% more searches at his peak than the next most searched candidate's peak, end quote. This is awesome. Uh, Craig says in the, here in the chat room, he says, so Cruz is being treated the same way um, that the same people treated Ron Paul. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's, that is, that's curious. And I remember Ron Paul used to have some really good things to say sometimes when they finally did get to him in terms of, you know, what government actually is that it's force and you have to be careful about what you're doing this um the other there's one other stat and I, i'm just reading you right now from the cruise email i'm on an email list uh from ted cruz's people but they did a measure of the audience's reaction to each candidate's remarks and again remember Cruz for 44 minutes during the whole middle of the broadcast didn't say a peep at least 44 minutes straight through Uh, By the way, I had actually said, let's have a new drinking game and that you would have to down one shot for each segment when Cruz didn't get to say anything. And I'm a lightweight, so I figured I definitely would have been drunk if I had been doing that drinking game the other night. Thankfully, I wasn't. I was actually trying to tweet in a coherent way, so I was not drinking. Um, if, If Trump continues to be in the debates, I might have to drink in order to survive the debates, and then the tweets might get really weird. But by then, we'll know a lot about all the other candidates, and it's not going to be as crucial. So you'll forgive me if, you know, I I do that because of Trump. But we'll see how long he hangs in, right? Um, But anyway, one more measure is applause, crowd applause. And what they did is they counted the number of instances of audience reaction to each candidate's remarks. So how many times did the crowd break out in applause due to a remark from the particular candidate? Cruz beat Trump. Cruz beat Trump on this measure. He beat everyone, of course, Uh, 17 times for Cruz, 16 for Trump, and then 11 for Carson, 10 for Huckabee. Huckabee has said a few very clever things, um, but oh my God, the places that he would just drop in the words prostitution and pimp and stuff because he's the holier than thou or whatever. (sighs) Anyway, yeah. But, you know, Paul got even nine himself, even though I think uh, Rand Paul 
he got a bit of a raw deal, I think, during the debate, and I, I hear he was struggling a little bit. I was listening to the debate, solely listening. I wasn't watching the video. And, you know, there were people, I remember, after 9-11, when they were either watching and or listening to um, George W. Bush give a speech post 9-11 and then there were people who read the speech in the newspaper and when you watch the speech you get all stirred up in patriotic fervor and then when you actually read the language oh you just go meh or maybe you think it's actually bad and and I think it, there is a different reaction but I was only listening I was just listening to what they said I wasn't watching the body language and, I, and maybe I didn't get the sense that Rand Paul was struggling whereas I think people who were watching got more of that sense um now the host they say host tell us why trump had 10 plus minutes of debate time oh why did he get more debate time than everyone else i mean here's the thing if you say okay well they're going to be able to get into the broadcast based on their rankings maybe you're going to give him a little bit more time based on the rankings but perhaps Fox really was trying to skewer him. The theories out there are that Fox wanted to make him look really bad so that they can make Jeb Bush really good, look good. But the people who ended up looking good were not at all Jeb Bush. As far as I understand, you could argue that Rubio looked decent and there were some decent things that he said. Um, at least I'm honest. Why, you mean, oh, because they that maybe they were going after Trump? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have no problem admitting that maybe they were going after Trump, um, but I don't think Trump should be our next president. Right. That doesn't mean that I could. And, and I think what he said about Megyn Kelly is terrible. Uh, this thing about bleeding out of the whatever. And I think Trump is in trouble because his uh, policy guy left. And from what I understand, there's a little bit of a, a, you know, back and forth. He said, he said, because I think Trump said that he let him go. And uh, the guy said, no, I actually quit. So that's going to be an interesting little story. And he, that guy's been going on interviews. I don't know what he said exactly about. All I know is he, he went because they were getting off message and he didn't like what Trump did to Megyn Kelly. Other than that, I don't know anything else. I, I know it from the Twitter, uh, what I retweeted out there. Uh, Megan Kelly is a witch. I mean, this is what Megan Kelly does on her show, too. I mean, she asks the tough questions. In general, I think I wish that Megan Kelly would have given Cruz more time, and I wish that she would have asked something about free speech and Garland, given how wonderfully she tried, you know, she treated that issue on her actual show, but she didn't ask any of them about free speech and Garland. And this is something that I think that all of them should have to answer. And Trump would fail miserably uh, if asked about free speech and Garland because he decided it was, you know, right after she nearly got killed, it was great to go ahead and insult Pamela Geller, you know, for having the audacity to actually challenge uh, jihadists who want to dictate what we can and cannot talk about and can and cannot draw. Uh, so now we go to the cruise as the naturalized citizen and not native born stuff. Oh, I'm yawning. Okay. Um, yeah, whatever. I'm going to take a call because I think that that's going to be more fun than that comment in the chat room at the moment, by the way. Hi, does this happen to be Ed? 
This does happen to be Ed. How are you, Amy? I'm doing fine. I recognized your area code. I have not memorized this number, so don't worry. I will not be calling you and like asking for, was it Prince Philip in a can or something that you do when you prank call people? You you can always uh, you can always prank call me, Amy. That's, that's <laughs> okay. Well, I won't be able to memorize the number anyway because it's like late at night and stuff. But so, what was your impression of the debate? I mean, the questions that I asked at the on the little teaser for the show are: Was there anybody who surprised you in a positive way? Who disappointed you? Uh, you know, based on your expectations, performed about as expected. What what were your impressions? Um, yeah. Okay. So first of all, I, I absolutely loathed the hosts. Uh, I thought they they were terrible. I thought they asked terrible questions. Even uh, Brett Bear. I didn't. I didn't think Brett Bear was so bad. There's a there's a difference between like asking a question and asking a gotcha question or a kind of a, a, a trick. They pontificated a lot before asking questions. Yeah, I think I think they they, they had the most time. They had the most time of anybody. Yeah. You you want to talk about immigration? You say okay. Uh, what's your view on a path to citizenship for illegal immigrants, uh, Jeb? And that's the question. And right. then if he says, well, I'm in favor of it, and you know, and then then you you know maybe you follow up, or if somebody like Scott Walker says, well, I'm not in favor of it. Then you ask the follow-up. It's like, well, two years ago, you said you were in favor of it, Scott. So what's, what gives? I mean, you don't have to go on and on and on about all of that. I, th- I thought that was just awful. It was just, just awful. It's, it, I reminded why I didn't like watching the debates last uh, election, just because the, the, um, uh, the hosts are terrible. I mean, just, just awful. Uh, they just ask the damn questions and let the candidates talk. Um, right. Now, as far as the candidates are concerned, um, a couple of, I, I thought, you know, I, I thought Cruz did well. I mean, you and I look at candidates and we look at issues, and maybe many of your listeners do too. And you say, well, he's good on this issue, but he's bad on that issue, or he says right. things he's not there. Um, but the vast majority of people don't, and this was hard for me to learn, don't think about issues at all. Right. They, they I, I'm all, I'm only learning this now and I'm learning this now only in part through discussions with Huron Brook because he's bringing up this umbrella issue of the candidate articulating some sort of positive compelling vision for the country. And whereas I mean Cruz nails every single issue, you could argue that he hasn't been, you know, that great at articulating this positive vision because to the extent that he is trying to do that thing, he's doing it from a very, very religious perspective. And for me personally, it falls flat. Maybe it inspires some people, but I don't know that it's appealing to a broad swath of voters, but I actually have an answer for him for that, that I'll share with you after. But is, is that kind of where you're going with this too, with Cruz? Oh, I was, no, I was thinking that I was thinking, you know, why is Trump popular? You know, obviously he's he's mm-hmm. a uh, buffoon. So why is he popular? And I think he's popular because he's giving a big middle finger to the Republican establishment. And I think there's a certain section of Republicans who are going to vote for anybody. Any you know, he insulted John McCain. No one in the Republican establishment more worthy of an insult than John McCain. 
and yeah, but he insulted him the wrong way. He insulted him the wrong way. He he sort of made he he made a joke that fell flat, um, and it w- it was a dumb joke, you know, talking off the cuff. Um, McCain is not a war hero, by the way. That's a whole another story, but let's let's we can put that out. Uh, sure. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but he made a joke that fell flat. But all, you know, people hear it's like he insults McCain. We don't like McCain. Good, good for you. I mean, it, it's it's not an intellectual response. You and I have an electoral response. The good news is that, that, that Trump's support is going to evaporate uh, because of his idiot mouth. Um, the Megyn Kelly comment was stupid, even though I think that uh, uh, Trump had a lot to complain about with regard to the questioning, just the you know misogynistic comment. You know, it's going right. to fall flat. And his, and his support. Well, and then and then other things about you know positions that he's come out with in in the past that are going to get him. So I guess in the more distant past, he has been a strong advocate for single payer. He's sort of skirted the issue yeah, now. And, and go ahead. You're thinking of people. People are are like him because of issues. Issues they aren't. They're yeah. like him because of the big middle finger. Now, when he shoots his mouth off too many times and says too many stupid things then people are going to lose support. And the good news is, I think the good news is, is that that support will drain to the other person who is building his campaign on an anti-Republican mm-hmm. establishment candidacy. I, I don't think there'll be anything formal, but I think people will look around and say, um, okay, Trump's crazy, but who else it's giving a big middle finger to the now, and I, I don't, I don't know if you saw, but I posted this to my "Don't Let It Go Unheard" page on on Facebook, and it's a clip that just I, I only became aware of recently, but it was out there in mid July, and Gavin McGinnis was on Greg Gutfeld's show, and he was talking about the Trump candidacy, and you know, he's saying, "Don't worry, don't worry, Trump's not going to be president." He says, Trump is just like a big old snowplow. He's just going to clear all this stuff out of the way. And then, boom, you're going to have President Ted Cruz. And you should have seen yeah. Gut- you should have seen Greg Gutfeld's face when McGinnis is stating that we're going to have this President Ted Cruz because of Donald Trump. I mean, Gutfeld hates Ted Cruz. He just hates hates him. He couldn't even admit that Cruz did well in the debate. He gave Cruz a C and mentioned him at the very, you know, end um, above like the the worst person. I forgot who he said the worst person in the debate was. Maybe Trump. Um, I don't know. Well, but, the, uh, you know, the Fo- Fox News is, is right down the middle of mainstream establishment, beltway, right of center thinking. And so they hate Cruz. And they hate Trump. Trump's the front runner. So they they ask him, you know, kind of absurd and, and nasty gotcha questions. Sure. Trump's the semi-rational one, so they ignore him. I mean, that's, it makes perfect sense. Fox you mean Cru- Cruz is the semi-rational one? Yeah, Cruz is the semi-rational right. outsider. Um, the other things I, I liked about the debate... Um, it is funny the, the argument between um, uh, Bosch Fossman's favorite uh, candidate, uh, Chris Christie, and uh, and Rand Paul about the uh, <sighs> meditative program. 
a oh lot my of heat gosh. there, not a whole lot of light. But the insiders, oh, I think Christie wiped the floor with Rand Paul, and I'll tell you what. Okay. People outside the Beltway think Rand Paul wiped the floor with Chris Christie. It's right. That kind of weird dichotomy. Kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, between between the inside and the outside. Luckily, I'm outside the Beltway. Um, so that was uh, that was an interesting part of the debate. Um, I thought people who shouldn't do well, like Kasich, did better than they should have. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I guess he 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 came he came across okay. But did you think that he gave any good answer to the issue about the Medicaid expansion? No, because no, there is no good answer. So no. Right. And I I did watch the junior varsity uh, debate too. Um, and mm -hmm. I agree with the pundits. I thought Carly came out strong, and I thought she did well. I think the rest of the JV um, were not were not particularly impressive. Um, I kind of like uh, Rick Perry. I mean, he's one of the guys I, I uh, he's in my um, yeah I could tolerate him as president category. Right. Uh, but uh, I thought Carly did okay, so she might move up. Yeah, and and here here's kind here's kind of my thinking. So she has been just going out there gangbusters, and she does have a pretty good knack for articulating a positive vision. Yeah. And my and thinking, yeah. So if if you could team her up with Cruz, if they'd ever get uh, yeah, together, have, and, and I think that would be an amazing ticket. She's good at nailing Hillary, too. Now, the polls. There's only one poll that's interesting at this point. And in that poll, which is the money poll, Jeb Bush is leading by a lot. Mm -hmm. Ted, Cruz, Ted Cruz is number two in raising money. And Trump, and Trump doesn't need money because he's just spending his billions. He made a point of saying on Morning Joe that his, his stuff is worth $10 billion. So, I don't think yeah. Trump has a lot of money. I got a, I got a fun day. Uh, Trump is land rich and cash poor. If you've read any, uh, um, you know, nineteenth century British uh, literature. Uh, I mean, it it, it makes it makes but sense though because I mean he he's he's declared bankruptcy how many times through his companies? Yeah. And I mean, that was one of the right. most pathetic answers that he had too, right? Because uh, what was his answer to all this, you know, about the declaring bankruptcy? He was saying, well, it wasn't personal bankruptcy. And then he was saying, well, I'm just using the same laws that everybody else is, which is just an appeal to authority, you know, quantitative or whatever. You know, all these guys did it, so it's it's okay. It's fine for me to do it too. And and that was the only yeah, real the answer he had for the cronyism too. Cronyism and bankruptcy. It's like everybody's doing it. I got mine. There's a good answer for bankruptcy. It's like I started a business, it didn't work out. That's what happens. You try sometimes, sometimes it works. A lot of times for me it works. Sometimes it doesn't work and it goes bankrupt. That's the way capitalism works. That's the perfect answer. But he, he's not smart enough, he's not intellectual enough to uh to do that, you know, to, to sort of bring it around to um, you know, you you win some, you lose some. Those were a couple I lost, but you know, I want a lot more. Uh, so, so he's not, he's not, he, he, he's still going to be popular because he's taking it to the Republican establishment and the Democrats, but he's going to mouth off one too many times. He's going to say something.
just so over the top. And and uh, you don't think the the Megan Kelly maybe being on her period or whatever was the way over the top thing? No, not yet. It's going to be something much worse, huh? That was a joke in bad taste. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's a joke in bad taste. Um, but uh, that's not that's not what's going to do them in. Um, something's going to do them in, but uh, that that wasn't. And the same thing with McCain. It was a joke in bad taste. Like you know, I like soldiers who don't get captured. You know, that was a kind of a dumb joke, right? Um, whereas there's a lots of things to criticize McCain about. I mean, you could go on all day criticizing McCain. That was a kind of a dumb joke. Um, right. But no, he 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 speaks first and and thinks later. Um, and and he'll 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 eventually get into trouble. Um, so who else did I think did okay? Uh, what what do you think of Carson? You know, I, I like Carson, but he's obviously not up on the issues. I mean, I like him as a human being. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I get allergy shots every Monday, and there's this big Ben Carson for president, uh, uh, you know, poster in uh, in my allergist's office. Uh, but he really likes Ben Carson because he hates Obamacare. Of course, he's a doctor. He owns his own business. Um, so, uh, but I mean, I like him. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, I think, you know, he's a nice enough guy and will probably get a cabinet position. Uh, but he's probably not going anywhere. He hasn't been raising a lot of money. You gotta, you gotta spend money in, in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. And the only two people who have enough money to compete right now are Bush and Cruz. Those are the only two people with enough money. Now, there might be more money coming to people who do well. Right. Right now, those, those are the only two in the race um, when it comes to actually doing the thing in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina. So, well, I'd, li- I'd like to see Carly get some more money. Uh, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. She is really going gangbusters out there and doing interviews everywhere. I'm actually thinking of getting a request in to see if I could talk to her myself, but I don't know if she'll talk to me because she's talking to big people. Uh, but, you know, I, I like what Carson said about brains and j- all the different comments he made about brains were quite yeah. witty. And I particularly liked, you know, when he was talking about the fact that when he's looking at his neurosurgery patients, he's looking at what matters about people. It's not their skin or whatever, hair color and skin color and stuff. It's what's in their minds. And that was uh, pretty good. Not, you know, not, not bad, but yeah, I, I get the same impression. I like him as a person, but he's not up on the issues. There is one really unfortunate comment that was out there several, probably maybe a couple months ago, I guess that he made something about people come out of prison and they're gay. <laughs> it's like, Really yeah, I weird. I didn't hear that, but that's that's kind of um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, so kind of, kind of an unfortunate, inaccurate. What about Walker, and in particular Walker on abortion? Um, well, they're all anti-abortion, so I mean, I you know, if you're for any of them, they're all anti-abortion. So I, I don't really. I just tune out when they say it because I really haven't had any, you know, they don't really have particularly decent um, argument one way or the other. I mean, as as I understand it, Walker said basically point blank, and you know, Megan Kelly was kind of grilling him on it. 
no exceptions to a ban on abortion for rape or even for the health and life of the mother. So they're trying to give them, you know, they give you the hypothetical. They say, well, what if it is necessary to terminate a pregnancy in order to save the life of the mother? And he says, basically, even in that scenario, no. That's, of course, insane. Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know what to say, right? I mean, I, I, I do like the fact that, uh, you know, well, well, they're all anti-abortion. At least they, they aren't quite as crazy as, as that position. And, and uh, I do like, um, I, of course, what's up with God? Has God talked to you? I mean, what, what was she thinking? I mean, what, what were they thinking? Right. Asking that sort of question. It's like, let's make all these people look really strange. And I really liked uh, what your own said earlier today about, I mean, first of all, we're in the 21st century. And this is a question in a presidential debate for the leader of our country. They're talking about whether God talked to them. And then, you know, so that's bizarre. And then the I other know, thing is... Well, he, he he was saying that, that, that any good candidate should have refused to answer the question, in effect, that this is not even relevant to a political debate. Um, and, in fact, that if you do believe that you have voices talking to you in your head, this could be an issue. Um, I think, yes. to their credit, you know, most of the, I was going to say, to their credit, most of the guys were saying, no, it's not like God's talking to me, but, you know, and then they go on and say something different. I think Walker said something like that, you know. No, it's not talking to me, but, you know, um, it was really a bad I'll question. You, if anyone, if anyone, you know, they, it, without, um, you know, insulting someone, uh, you know, for being on the rag or anything, if, if they go after the press, they'll get huge applause line. Like, what kind of stupid question is that? You know, if any one of them had said, what kind of right. stupid question is that? Um, that would have, you know, I mean, there would have been, you know, dancing in the aisles and whatnot. But they're not quite brave enough to do that. And they didn't ask the God question to Trump because he might have said that. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. But I think there's no, there's no downside to attacking the press as idiots. And I think, uh, you know, Gingrich did that um, uh, last election uh, in his mini uh you know, rise in the polls. Um, and I think, you know, I get, I, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do it, but I would have said that. What kind of stupid question is that? I mean, that's the appropriate answer for that kind of question. I, I like Debbie's comment here in the chat room. Next debate, does the tooth fairy deliver your paychecks? Do you plan to ride unicorns to important meetings as president? <laughs> Uh, Trump, Trump could say, I talk to myself all the time. You know, Trump, when he's out there talking, he's, he's talking about himself in the third person and he's not even president yet. So that's kind of annoying. I know Trump, I, I, Trump is amusing. I mean, I, I think he's amusing. I certainly am not going to vote for the guy, but, uh, um, okay, let's put it this way in a, in a race between Trump and Hillary Clinton. I know this is probably not going to happen on either, either side. Um, right. I could I could see myself voting for Trump over Hillary Clinton just for the humor value. Um, yeah, people were saying, you know, if Trump is president, Saturday Night Live is going to be funny again. At least there's that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. There's been eight years of uh, complete jokes about the president. 
And finally, we'll have jokes about the president again on late night. They have done some, though. I mean, I, I've actually been sometimes impressed with Saturday Night Live under Obama. They have done some good stuff. Uh, negative about Cruz. How about this? When he talks about his first day in office, number one was fine, you know, get rid of all the illegal executive orders, et cetera. Second, number two on his list is that he wants to defund and look into potentially prosecuting Planned Parenthood because it's just so important. Planned Parenthood is such a big issue that it's got to be number two on his list first day in office. He did not even mention, now again, he can't repeal Obamacare because he's the president, right? But I mean, at least like first thing is call up, you know, the House Majority Leader and say we need to interdict, right? He he should have said um, something I mean, about I, I, Obamacare. I, I, I told you I told you this on Facebook. I don't think you understand how big a deal this Planned Parenthood thing is uh, on the right with the debate. I know. And let's be honest, Planned Parenthood is an odious organization. And has of course. It's a, it, I mean, it's a slam dunk <laughs> issue for anybody. But to put it so high on your agenda for your first day in office, this is your priority. It's just sad. It's not his first day in office. It's what he, he, he wanted to make the point to the people, of which there are a lot, who care about this issue. I mean, we can argue abortion all day. I know you're uh, uh, you know, pro-abortion rights, and so am I. But there are a lot of people out there who aren't, but who are willing to put up with it, as long as their tax dollars don't go uh, to fund it. Well, and, I, and I'm fine with it. Obviously, I, I agree with defunding Planned Parenthood, and I don't know. They might be guilty of some crimes. It sounds like horrific videos. So maybe there's something to go after there. But I just wouldn't have put it you know, so high on the list. And then because I was sitting there horrified that it was so high on the list, I had to go back later and listen to the fact that he was going to, um, you know, move the American embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. And I forget like other good stuff, but I, I lost the other good stuff because I was so horrified. That I know he the plan here. Planned Parenthood is the number one issue among the right nowadays. The number one issue. And they didn't ask anyone about it. They asked no questions. Oh, the Iran deal. He was going to nullify the Iran deal, too, of course. I, I, how could I forget that? So he, he had some good stuff planned. So he wanted planned, to get it? that in. He, he, he wanted to tell the base, he wanted to tell the base of anti-abortion conservatives that he was their guy. That's what he wanted to do. Of course, he's not going to do it on the first day, but he had to get something in on the Planned Parenthood thing because it is the number one issue. If you read the conservative website, right. it's the number one issue uh, right now. So even Trump, apparently, even even Trump uh, came out saying he would shut down government in order to defund Planned Parenthood. And so did Carly Fiorina. She came out and said she would shut down government in order to defund Planned Parenthood. And she, in 2013, I put this link, again, um, people who don't know the show very well, if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, I put program notes. So there's links to a lot of stuff. And there are a couple links about Carly Fiorina. One of them is um, an article that she wrote explaining why she wants to become president. And it's really good. Uh, it, it's all positive. It doesn't bring any religion and it brings some domestic policy, but it concentrates largely on what can be done in foreign policy. So that's a good thing to read. But there's another link. It's a flashback from 2013, a Breitbart article talking about the fact that Fiorina 
criticize Cruz for trying to do the government shutdown thing to defund Obamacare. So that's not worthwhile. It's not worthwhile to try to shut down government in order to defund Obamacare. But it is worthwhile to these candidates to try to shut down government in order to defund Planned Parenthood. That's how screwed up their priorities are. Well, you know Ted Cruz is willing to shut down government to sure. uh, yeah. defund Obamacare because he actually did it. Right. There was an interesting article that I read. This is, if Cruz actually got up and said this, what he said in the article, um, when have you stood up to the Washington cartel, not just Democrats and Obama? It's easy for Republicans to claim they fought Democrats. When have you stood up to Republican leadership, to your own party, and stood with the American people in the Constitution? Show me, don't tell me. If you say you oppose Obamacare, show me where you've stood up and fought it. If you say you oppose the debt ceiling, when have you stood up and, and fought it? When have right. you stood up and fought against Obama's unconstitutional executive amnesty? When have you stood up for the First Amendment for free speech and religious liberty? When were you, where were you on Indiana? I don't know what that re- refers to, by the way. Did you stand and fight or did you run for the hills like so many Republicans? Oh, it must be the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Where were you mm-hmm. on the Second Amendment when Barack Obama and Harry Reid came after our right to keep fair arms? On the Fourth Amendment, where have you stood and fought to stop the NSA's illegal wiretapping and snooping? On the Tenth nice. Amendment, when have you stood and led the fight against Common Core? Have you always opposed it, or did you initially embrace it and just flip your position when you launched a campaign for president? Right. When have you stood and fought for Israel? When have you stood against radical Islamic terrorism and against Iran acquiring nuclear weapons? This is mm-hmm. in this article. And, uh, and he's done all that. He has. He's done all of those things. Right. And he's tried to shut down the government uh, to stop Obamacare. I mean, he failed, but he, he, he was, uh, you know, betrayed by his own party, and he fights his party. So I, right. I think he has a good message. He just wasn't right. given a chance and, to and, and I think, you know, I disagree with Fiorina on this issue because I think that even if he knew that there was no way he could ultimately prevail and defund Obamacare, that it wasn't actually going to happen, it was nonetheless worthwhile as an exercise to do. Why? Simply because it inspires the American people like me. And Fiorina's got to understand that it is important not only to act when you are for sure going to achieve your concrete goal or even, you know, when you only have a a good chance of it. I mean, her candidacy, people would say she has no chance. I actually now would think she's got a decent chance of either coming in and being the nominee. It's, I think it's a potential. I don't think it's probable, but I think it's possible, right. For her to do that. Uh, But I think it's also possible that she might be the VP, you know, the running mate, And uh, who would have thought that at the beginning, you know, that she could do that, not coming from any political background at all. So it's, it's, you know, this idea of, oh, well, don't do it. There's no honor in doing this, you know, because, oh, the government shut down. But then now she's going to do it for Planned Parenthood. I hope people call her on it. And I hope she says, okay, I was wrong. And I hope that she and Ted Cruz can reconcile over that. Well, I mean, again, you know, she's being inconsistent. And, and that's, because we pay attention. But for people who don't pay attention, yeah. I'm telling you, the number one issue on the right right now, the number one issue is Planned Parenthood. And if you don't have a position on that that's, you know, strong, you are going to lose that a huge part of the base. And so Cruz has hit, inserted his thing, fearing it. Sure. She's, she's being inconsistent. But, I mean, that's uh, – I read a lot – I, I read a lot of conservative commentary. I read a lot of libertarian commentary. And of course, I'm inundated with liberal commentary all the time. So um, the liberals don't 
think anything of Planned Parenthood. I mean, it, it's not even on their radar. Um, that one day where they took a vote, there was some right. there was article, but it's every single day the conservatives are doing it. And that's why Fearing is. Of course, of course. Um, Ed, I'll, I'll give you another minute or so if you want, but I do have another caller that I'm going to go ahead and grab. If uh, All right. No, that's oh. fine. It's nice talking to you. Hopefully, uh, I'll get to come live more often. Yeah, thank you for listening and, and for calling in and uh, chiming in and, you know, telling me that maybe my thoughts are okay on this issue. You know, i got to check with Ed. <laughs> Take well, care. Do, do give me a prank call when you get a chance. Okay, definitely. Take care. Talk to you next time. Okay, let me see who we've got here. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh, hi, Amy. It's Harold. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. So what well, was your impression of the debates? Well, I actually watched the entire thing. I even watched the one at 5 o'clock, which I forced myself to watch. Hated that. Mm -hmm. uh, Carly Fiorina definitely broke out of that one. I, I, I was glad of that. I've got some, some scatter points, just some random points here, but these are good, I think. Uh, I made an observation. Chris, uh, Governor Christy Cream had uh, the other candidates had either American label label pins, or Ted Cruz had no pin, but Christie had a New Jersey pin, <laughs> which kind of which kind of reminded me of the Congresswoman from Minnesota, who was running for president. Obviously not serious because her congressional website had lots of money and organization and glitz to it, and her. U.S. Uh, president website had almost no work and no money put into it. So she obviously was just using the presidential run just to steer money towards her congressional run. And I see mm -hmm. that. I see that's what I see as Christie doing exactly the same thing. He's really a Democrat pretending to be a Republican. That's the way I see it. Uh, Ted Cruz, yeah, he's raised almost $100 million already. And I think he did just fine in the debates, despite what, what they did to him. Uh, he's just through his own strength, I think he's going to propagate to the rest of the people. People are going to find out about him. 25 million people, well, that was, uh, Donald Trump did that. He helped create that 25 million. And sure. I, don't know what, I don't know what Donald Trump is up to. Is he trying to just promote the Trump name? Is he trying to trash the Republican name, although they seem to do that just fine by themselves? Or is he seriously running for president? I, I don't know. I have no clue what he's up to, but it seems like, oh, is he just buffooning and clowning around? You know, who knows what he's up to? Um, I, but I'm looking for real polls on Ted Cruz, which will be coming out this week probably, and I expect to see him come up. He's already at 8%, so he's already at number two. So it's only a a matter of time in a few days to see what, what actually happens there. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. Right after that debate, he did, I guess, this red state thing, and then he's been doing his sort of southern states bus tour. And if you, you know, look at the posts that he's been putting on social media with the pictures of the turnout at these events, it sounds like they're going really well, uh, that he's getting a great turnout wherever he goes. Um, but he's just going you know, like South Carolina and Georgia and some other states and then on the way to Oklahoma. And then Oklahoma is kind of the last of this leg. But it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, he's generating. I do think that the most positive of those statistics that I was reading uh, earlier in the show is that one about people Googling his name. Because that means there's a number of people who didn't know 
about him and they were actively searching for more information about him and that is a tremendously good sign. Um, yeah, and also, you know, also, also he's, he's, he's a real gentleman. If you watch the way he handles hecklers, he doesn't try to diminish them or make them feel bad. He invites them up to the stage with him and he debates them one-on-one -on -one in a polite way. And I've seen that, time. yes. Yeah, I've seen and that. That has got to be buying uh, influence. Just, I mean, just you know, Dale Carnegie, you know, winning friends and influencing people. He's doing that big time. And I expect that, that to make a, an impression even with, with people that are not friendly towards him. You know, can, the question is, is he going to be able to win over people at Fox News? Because those people at Fox News do not like him. And in particular, Greg Gutfeld has had it out for him forever. And when they describe why they don't like him, it, it has to do with him being some sort of, quote, egomaniac. And then he's all in it for himself. And, you know, can people understand? Of course, Greg Gutfeld thinks that selfishness is part of the component of evil. I've talked about that on a prior show, too. He actually put up a chart about, like, there's four components of evil, and one of them had to do with self-interest, that that was one part of a component of evil was self-interest. So, you know, does Cruz come across as self-interested? Yes, but to me, does he come across as he's trying to supposedly get something for himself apart from saving the country? I don't get that message at all. I do think the guy wants to save the country and that he, you know, everything that he's saying he believes is the right way to do it. I think he's wrong on some issues, but I haven't. I just, I just don't see that, and and I don't think that somebody who comes across as confident. Uh, you know, self-confident and willing to stand up on his principles. Maybe they don't like it. You know, he's not, he doesn't seem willing to compromise in any material way, right? Um, I, I, I don't know what, what they don't like about him, you know? I, I see that, um, firstly, the, the abortion issue, obviously they're doubling down on abortion because they lost the, the gay marriage thing. I understand mm -hmm. that. And Republicans have no choice. They have to come out and, like, free arena, who knows? She may be lying, but... You know, that they all have to say it. They have no choice. Otherwise, they might as well not run in the Republican primaries. They're just not going to make it. Right. Um, right. I agree. I agree. Um, in the chat room here, Mark is asking, there's nothing egotistical about Gutfeld? I, I think oh, Gutfeld... I, I have, sorry, I remembered my point now. Sorry. I, oh, I, go, I, ahead. I lost go ahead. It. It's back. Uh, I think Ted Cruz giving him power is just like a moral amplifier, kind of like money. It just makes you more of what you already are. And for Ted Cruz to get more money, and like he's raised $100 million already, which is great, mm -hmm. uh, that just makes his message propagate further. He hasn't started his phoning campaign or anything yet. I mean, he's barely started, and he already is propagating this far into, into American public's mind. So once he gets serious and starts spending some money and sets his phone banking up and TV ads, I expect a lot more to happen. So, so Harold, do we actually agree that Cruz is the guy? Oh, yeah. For is sure. that... It's not even close. Cruz is the first guy since Alexander Haig, if you know who he is, that I mm -hmm. actually like, that I actually think is a serious contender for president. He doesn't have the military background, but, and he's a lawyer, but that's not bad because he understands the Constitution. Generally, a lawyer would be a negative in my mind, just because of just the the the, the background they come from. They they not they look for problems. They're not trying to be solving problems. I'm a but lawyer, by the way, but whatever. 
Uh, and, and oh, and, and nothing personal here. <laughs> of course, of course. I'll, I'll give you, uh, the Robert Ringerism just because ninety-five percent of lawyers are lazy, incompetent, and useless. You know, yet it gives the whole profession a bad name. That's right. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Cruz is the guy, and we just need to solidify support around him. Donald Trump will will crash and burn all by himself. You don't have to do anything. That's all going to happen all on its own. And I do think that he cleared, he cleared Bush out of the way for Cruz. He cleared the only other. Well, and that, and that was the whole thing. I mean, this is what Gavin McGinnis was predicting a while ago. You know, I was kind of, you know, hypothesizing about my hopeful conspiracy theory was that they've actually orchestrated this. But I think what McGinnis was saying was just it was going to happen more by default, that Cruz was going to come in there and just kind of snowplow these guys, you know, Bush and others out of the way. And then Cruz was going to be able to just come in and become president. So you think that's yeah. happening? Yeah. And Trump can't help himself. He's like a like a natural force. He's just going to do what he does. And that's what makes all this happen. And then when he finally crashes and burns, I think Cruz and Rubio will be left standing. Rubio is the other brainiac, obviously, but I think he is a little too slick and I don't actually trust him. You know, I think yeah, he, he does. He comes what, across as a bit slick. He really does. And I think he says what he thinks people want to hear, whereas Cruz, and I watched Cruz in, in the debate on the healthcare thing, I think Cruz, I have not caught Cruz in a lie ever. I think he really is honest. Yeah, That's just a personal opinion. I don't mean to take any more time. I just want to say one thing. You've improved the audio quality of the show. I like it much better now. You had a good radio voice, but it didn't come across with a, the low data rate. Now that you've upped your, I don't know what you did, but you upped the quality. It, it, it's, all, it's all due to blog talk. So as much as I will complain about what happened last night, which is that I tried to get on the air yeah. and could not, for the last several weeks, actually a couple months now, the audio has been much better and it's due to this direct connect feature that they have. It's a very nice hi-fi uh, yeah. thing. So I haven't upgraded my equipment in quite a while, but I haven't needed to because of blog talk. So thanks for The only thing with your equipment that you need to do, uh, this is technical, but someone in your local, someone locally where you are can help you. You need to set up an audio level compressor so that the soft and the loud all sounds the same. So someone calls in like when, um, What's his name, your cartoonist? When he calls in on the phone, he's always down about 20 dBs. He's really soft. And you can deal with that technically. You can adjust that, but you need the equipment to do it on your side. You need some to find Now, see, that's a function. Way. That is a function of blog talk because they oh. set the levels of the callers. And I'm not sure any way that I can affect the levels. I don't have any control that's available to me here to turn up the yeah. levels of the callers. So I could certainly put in a work request to them, though. So that's a good suggestion. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Okay, great, Harold. I'm so glad that we finally agree uh, on a candidate that we both are excited to talk about. There was one thing I wanted to talk about that Ed brought up, um, and it was this issue of Christie on the Fourth Amendment, and I found him so, so pathetic because he basically brought in the old, tired, you know, 9-11 happened, so therefore we have to gather everybody's metadata without any probable cause, without any particularized suspicion, and he invoked 9-11 and the fact that he had prosecuted terrorists, et cetera, et cetera, over and over, and that was his basic argument. I have prosecuted terrorists before. 
I hugged people who were victims, you know, people in their family were victims of 9-11. And so therefore we should continue bulk metadata collection, which of course is not an argument. And I thought Rand Paul, of course, won that uh, exchange. John in the chat room says that Rubio is not at all impressive to him. I thought, yeah, yeah, Debbie says, but Christy gave hugs, damn it. <laughs> and he, you know, he hugged not only our president, but he, he hugged victims from, you know, 9-11. So therefore, you should just let him have his way. Yeah. Um, it was it was pretty funny that Rand Paul actually pointed out the the hug of Obama. They got into a little bit of name calling and maybe they felt like they were, uh, you know, kind of subjected to that, or they were working out their frustrations from the questions that they were given or something. But but Rubio, what did I have to say about Rubio? Rubio was also not great on abortion, but that's not a big surprise. Uh, Rubio was not so great also on education. Um, he was, I guess, a little bit better than Jeb Bush, but not much wor- not, not, not much better. There was one answer that Rubio, oh, Rubio did know more about immigration than the other candidates in terms of who was actually coming across the border from Mexico, that there were Guatemalans and then people from other countries as well. So he could actually speak to you articulately about who's coming into our country and from where. So that was that was nice. The other thing, there was one answer, and I can't remember, you know, again, maybe if I had done this last night, I would have remembered a little bit better, but um, it was it was something about foreign policy. And he was talking about our service members. And instead of talking about sacrifice, he was saying that sometimes our service members died in the cause of, you know, values that are dear to our country or something. But so he basically said they died, but they died for these important things. And that just sounded different than what you normally hear about, you know, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. He, You know, they died for this good stuff. And I, I just I just like that way of, of, you know, articulating what service for the country means. It doesn't mean sacrifice. It means in, you know, the case of so many of our service members, and I thank them for doing this, that they've realized that it is more important to fight for the values that make our country great, even today when they're so rarely allowed to fight properly, you know, for those values. I, I just, I did like the way that he did that. So Rubio's kind of in the category of I'd vote for him against whoever the horrible Democrat is going to be. And I wouldn't necessarily even be disgustingly upset about it. Um, you know, uh, John in the chat room says, why does somebody need a lawyer to be a potential immigrant? Yes. I really liked what Yaron Brook had to say about immigration earlier today. And, it, and it's something that he said many times, which is that if he was president, you would make it very easy to come into this country to work. There would be very minimal screening. And then it would be more difficult to then become a citizen. But you could come in and legally work in this country very easy, easily under a Brooke presidency. And then you wouldn't have people, you know, nobody good sneaking across the border because it wouldn't be necessary, right? You'd be able to come in very easily, get legal status in order to work, so long as you weren't carrying some horrible, you know, uh, deadly disease 
whether you know you didn't have a horrible criminal record, you weren't affiliated with Al Qaeda or ISIS or whatever. Um, now, oh yeah, Sloan in the chat room, DB Sloan, Debbie is is saying that Rubio did not say anything that completely horrified me, so he's in the top tier. <laughs> I love your way of putting that. Um, and Robert says in answer to her that Rubio might be useful if he's willing to tear the welfare down. I mean, really, that is what we need to do primarily about immigration is get rid of the welfare magnet. Of course, getting rid of the welfare magnet would do so much for other things as well. So I've got a couple of callers who want to chime in on this discussion. Again, um, actually, I didn't even tell you guys the number. You guys have been using it yourself, 760 888-5817, but probably the only people who don't have access to see that number are the ones who are already on the call. Is this one Debbie? Hi, Amy. Yeah, Debbie. I've, I've, I've got this area code down too, so I've got Ed's and yours. So how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I, uh, I watched the JV debate this afternoon and... Um, I, as I expected, Santorum was horrible, and um, really glad that he's down there at the bottom, and I hope he stays or just drops off entirely. And um, but I was definitely, again, um, my standard for politicians, especially at the national level, is do I do they say anything that completely horrifies me? And Harley Fiorina did not. And also, I, there's a guy who I had not heard of at all before today named George Pataki. Mm-hmm. He explicitly pro-choice. Hmm. Um, I don't know very much about him, but they asked him a question in the debate, you know, given that you're explicitly pro-choice, is there any, you know, do you think you can get elected? It was something like that. I can't even remember exactly what the question was. And he did say that he wanted to defund Planned Parenthood and so on, which is sure. I have no problem with that. And he even said, I personally hate abortion, but I just, um, I don't think that it should be, uh, people should be forcibly prevented from getting it or something. I was really surprised by that. I, I really couldn't find too much about him on the other issues. It looks like he might be kind of um, kind of like a moderate maybe establishment type and in that case you know abortion is not the only issue and if you want someone for a choice you can always vote Democrat. So I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not that excited about him but uh, but I thought that was interesting at least that there was someone pro-choice who's running right now on the Republican side. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of people here in, in, in the chat room and they're saying that Pataki was an ex governor of New York and that is how I remember him as well, that he was the the governor. So that is no, it it's nice. You know, we also had at one point a candidate, you know, Giuliani is pro choice. And everyone said that's really the reason he's not going to win the Republican nomination, and that was probably true for Pataki as well. I didn't hear that he got any great lift out of his performance in the debate, but you thought in general he didn't make you want to throw up, basically. Yeah, he met my criterion. 
Okay. Um, I vote for. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have to agree with, oh, oh why am I? Harold? I, yeah, uh-huh. I have to agree with Harold. I still actually like Ted Cruz, and um, even though I'm not 100% behind everything that he stands for, I do actually like Cruz, and I am actually still... Um, you know, I would be happy about voting for him. I was really happy to hear Harold say that Cruz has raised a hundred million. Um, I had not heard that. I don't. I don't know. What well, and and who knows what more he's raising on this tour as we speak. So it'd be interesting if he actually starts to out fundraise Jeb Bush. That would be fabulous. Nobody ever would have thought that. I remember people predicting that Cruz would not even make it to the debates, and now. He essentially won the debate. Why? Because he came in second after Trump in the Drudge Poll. And do we even really take Trump's performance seriously? I don't think Trump said anything very good on any of the issues. So in terms of performance, uh, I, you know, I, definitely Cruz wins. And Cruz wins when he was shut out of it for that huge chunk of time in the middle of the broadcast. So He's definitely doing super well. What do you think about my little dream ticket, Cruz Fiorina? I don't know if they yeah. even like each other, but wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I don't know too much about what their interpersonal dynamic is like or if they know each other or what. But, yeah, I think that would be – I would actually be excited to vote for that, to vote for that ticket. You know, given the present context, I think that's about as good as it can get. So, exactly. I mean, given the present content, given the present context, it's about as good as it can get. Um, I I was talking with Yaron uh, Brook, and it was you know a little back and forth about candidates, and it was in some ways we have a really excellent slate, and in some ways an infuriating bad slate because of the religion, the heavy religious nature of the candidates, and that is something that he stressed during his podcast earlier today was how all of these candidates, I guess with the exception maybe of Pataki, are so religious. And so what we are doing here, you know, as objectivists, as you know, we ourselves, uh, you agree with me, you're, you're an atheist, not everybody who listens to my show is, but, uh, you know, a lot of people who follow Ayn Rand were atheists. And we know we're in this context where we can't expect a good atheist candidate to win the nomination for you know, on the Republican ticket for sure. Uh, maybe not even as a Democrat today could you have an atheist, an explicit out atheist. You know, there was a, there's one of the links that I have for the show notes for today is that there is this, um, what's, what's the Houston football team's name? I'm actually blanking on it again because, again, I should have done the show last night. But there's a Houston football player who has come out as a secular man. You know, he doesn't have any particular faith. I guess he was raised Muslim and he actually left the Muslim faith and he's read the Bible and he read the Quran and he did. Yeah. And, and so he is coming out as openly secular. There's a, there's a movement called openly secular and he's coming out as openly secular. Imagine if we had a politician who could come out as openly secular and win in either party today. The Houston Texans, John in the chat room is reminding me, it's the Houston Texans. Thanks, John. But so, yeah, I mean, we, we just don't get that. So so you and I, when we're looking at all these candidates, like, okay, they're going to be religious, but, <laughs> right? 
And and that's how we're evaluating, you know, are they generally good in terms of defending the principles that are at the core of the founding of our country, which are not religious principles, they're enlightenment principles. And I see, I see Cruz and Fiorina as, as standouts in, in this regard. And I see Fiorina perhaps as sort of filling in that ability to articulate the positive vision from a businesswoman's perspective. Yes, she's religious, but I, I feel that the positive message that she's articulating is less religious than Cruz's. But we'll see how you know how he does as time goes on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really, I don't know that much about her yet. And so I'm a little bit wary. I'm kind of waiting for something shocking to jump out at me, like like the Walker thing with abortion. I I, I knew he was religious. She'll be bad on it too. I'm sure she'll be bad. She will. Yeah, but but like him, I mean, there's a difference between the people who want outlaw abortion and everything, and people who say that a woman should be forced forcibly prevented from saving her own life if the way to save her life is to get to terminate a pregnancy. Right. I mean, for Fiorina to do that as a woman herself, that would take a lot. And so I, I need to yeah. hear from her on that. Well, I don't, I'd be surprised. I mean, that is not a mainstream view, even among Republicans. And, and that's where I draw the line. I mean, if somebody says that, they're saying you have no right to your own life and you, you, you're not entitled to even defend yourself against the prospect of certain death. You you just, I, I can't even, I, I don't even know what to say when, when confronted with that. I mean, to me, right. the world of difference between that and the people who are just anti-abortion but make certain exceptions, which I still think is just a horrible thing and that I don't agree with. They're still, in a sense, saying the woman has no right her own life if they're anti-abortion um but but just that she would have to actually not just sacrifice maybe her plans for a career or whatever but that she should literally die um and by the way if she dies so will the baby right yeah so i mean this is this is a, a really inexcusable um but no but there there are certain there are certain situations and, you know, these are, again, you know, why ask these questions from a lifeboat scenario as well, right? I mean, these are horrible decisions that people have to make right now sometimes. But this is not, you know, the bread and butter of ethics, right? Where you're saying, okay, well, it's the life of one or the life of the other. It doesn't come up all the time, but there are these times. And then they're actually saying that if it came up where you could save the baby, but the mother would die, that they think it's preferable that you save the baby, regardless of the choice of the woman herself, and that's inexcusably bad. Um, and and that Walker, you know, couldn't see how how terrible it is. What about the darling of Fox News? You know, there's some uh, guy that I follow on Facebook, and. Um, he calls it Fox News Presbyterian Church or something. I can't remember. But basically that they are anti-Cruz and that they're pro-Jeb Bush. What do you think about the darling of Fox News, Jeb Bush, and how he did? I think I'm, I'm still not convinced that he's a person and not a robot. Um, I, 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 was, I, I was a little bit surprised by how robotic he seemed. And... Um, 
But, yeah, I'm starting to think that maybe he's a cyborg and this is some kind of artificial intelligence experiment. Um, the the other thing that got me was, you know, not, yeah, that, he just kind of sounded wooden and, you know, there just wasn't anything there, there about him. But on education, he was bad. He he did not do a good job digging himself out of the hole because he has been a proponent of Common Core. And then they were asking him how it is that he got involved, I think, in Bloomberg. Was that the organization that they said, you know, had yeah. this... Democrat. And so then, and if you, if you listen to his answer carefully and, you know, again, this is a couple nights ago, so I'm a little rusty, but as I recall, what he said was, well, it was okay for me to get involved with them. Why? Because it was about education reform. Now education reform is code word for common core. So that means that common core having government control more government control over education is so important for him that he'll make common cause with these organizations that require him to compromise other quote conservative principles of his and right. he, you know, it, he, go ahead sorry i was just gonna say yeah like he's so dedicated as a status he's such a dedicated status that he's willing to sacrifice one status agenda for uh, another one that's ultimately, you know, education being under the control of the federal government is going to ultimately be more effective in advancing the agenda of total statism. Well, and then when he was called on, you know, federal government control, then he was saying, well, he doesn't really care necessarily that it, it should be the federal government, but if states dictate what the curriculum is so that basically government in his view government is required in order to have high standards in education and to me that was a huge fail it was very revealing and do not you know i think if anyone who's listening here if you think you can be sidetracked by the fact that he's talking about education reform and he's for high standards in education he means those to come from the top down either at the federal level which he's gotten explicitly behind before or you know he'll take state too that's okay for him right 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 50 tyrannies are better than one but yeah if he were actually for excellence in education and for high standards he would want to to completely eradicate government control and he would be holding up something like Van Damme Academy as an example. Exactly. He would he would be forgetting government completely out. Any other word before I take another call, Debbie, on debates, candidates, anything? Uh, nope. I no. Okay, well, I, I thank you for calling in, and yeah, we're on the same page, so let's see if we're going to keep... Uh, one thing I would tell you is to watch and or listen to there's an interview of Carly Fiorina by Steven Crowder so that's on our to-do list before next week so we can get to know more about this woman who seems to be fairly impressive right yeah I definitely think so I, I I'm, I'm liking what I see so far so yeah okay well we'll see if she can keep it up thanks again for calling in Debbie hi you're on the air who's this Bosch. Oh, Bosch. Yeah, you called in. So I've got maybe about 12 minutes left or so. Um, so have, Tr Trump, Trump's your guy, days. right? Trump is your guy? Of course. Of course. <laughs> He's my hero. He's a <sighs> I, I saw the, uh, uh, the cartoon that you did of him as Muhammad 
Mohammed Trump. Yeah, Mohammed Trump. Because uh, he he said, what are they doing drawing him? Why don't they draw something else? So I drew myself drawing him and saying, sure. So I drew him as Muhammad. I made his hair into a turban uh, in front of his Taj, the Trump Taj Mahal building, uh, hotel, whatever it is. And by, by the way, if people don't know what I'm talking about, I retweeted out just earlier this evening a tweet from Tammy Bruce. Trump not only tweeted out right after Garland, but went on three different talk shows where he declared that having a draw Muhammad contest on principle in order to defend free speech in our country, he just said it was dumb, capital D-U-M-B, dumb. And he criticized Pamela Geller like he normally criticizes women who are doing anything important out there, right? He also also suggested that we, as uh, I think Dan Griffel wrote it, we, we were basically plotting to get ourselves killed. You know, we were like, and we would high-five each other if we see a guy coming in there with a shotgun. We're like, yes, you know. That's how he made it seem, like, in order to get people killed, as if that was our motive. Right. And that's what he projected. And also, I mean, I tweeted something today. I said, this isn't, he's an insult machine. I mean, that's what he is. Every single tweet, every single appearance, but he stays clear from insulting who and what? Muslims. Of course. Muhammad. Jihad. Right, and, and and he's talked about the business dealings. Everything for him is a business dealing. So everything, yeah. Um, so, so Mark, Mark here women, in the chat room, Mark here in the chat room is asking me to ask you about Carly. Do you have any impression of Carly Fiorina yet? I don't. I don't. Um, what little I've seen. I mean, she's not uh, Jeb Bush. I guess she's not Jeb Bush. That's all I could say. Right. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough. She looks a little artificial. To me, I mean, when I when I saw, I don't know if it was a heavy makeup or a lot of work done. I don't know, but uh, I liked one thing she said when she was asked about uh, Trump and how something. And she said, "Well, I didn't take a phone call from Bill Clinton right before I announced. I didn't give money to the Clinton Foundation." Right, know? right. So that's, I, I like that. And and, and she and she's, she's been the one calling uh, calling Hillary out explicitly on the lies and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. um, John John in the chat room makes an observation, and this is exact. I mean, this is the same observation I have about Cruz. I do not think that Carly is artificial. No, I do not think. Now she may no, no, be, no, no, no. you know, getting I, better at what she's doing yeah. and more. No, 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 oh. no. I said, I said, I said physically. When I first saw her, she looked physically. She got some work done, a lot of makeup. I don't know what it was. I it was do know that she start she started coloring her hair again because in that 2013 clip from Breitbart, oh, okay. they showed a picture of her, and she had been letting like the sides of it go gray, and her natural is is darker than what she's wearing now. So, so you know, By she's way. she's doing herself up a bit more, but she looks good. I think I don't. She looks. Maybe she's got some Botox or something. I don't think she's doing too much. I've earned the name Jeb. Oh yeah. <laughs> I earned the name Jeb. It's like what does that mean? Wasn't he born the name? Didn't they give him that name? There's the there's just there's one more candidate that we haven't really talked about uh, in, in the show. I laughed out that, loud when, I, when, when, when Debbie called him a cyborg. I mean, that's just hilarious. Actually, you would like Debbie's comments that I'm seeing here in the chat room. She says, enough about politics, Bosh. Stick to that Muhammad stuff. Yeah, she, you know what? She's right, man. That's it. You know, I'm getting off phone right now. <laughs> Um, no, no. I, you know, but I want I wanted, I wanted to talk to you a little. No, seem like like an art monkey. They say you just draw and shut up, okay? It's just you're supposed to be like you're like the you're like the court jester for exactly. whoever's following you on like, Facebook and Twitter. You're not or amusing me. Get out of my way. 
Oh my God! And also, you know, you know, sorry. How about how about Trump when he basically bragged about exploiting this broken system? I mean, yes. Oh yeah, it's it, it's like, a broken it, system. Everyone, it's a broken system, but I got mine. <laughs> I got know? mine. But but let me let me talk for a second. We're going to give a little bit to Rand Paul. I want to give you know Rand Paul at least his due. He had a few good moments. He did, and he really uh, he really did. He really did. So he was great on getting in the point about a balanced budget. That he's actually put out there a five year plan of balanced budgets, which no other candidate has done. Uh, well, he needs to wake up and straighten, and straighten his hair, but whatever, go on. <laughs> he, he's, he's good on NSA. We all know that. Yes. Uh, he's, he's excellent on not spending money that we don't yes. have to ship it overseas, particularly to countries who hate us. Yes. But and then he blows it by saying he, he's willing to talk to the greatest state sponsor terrorism on earth. Who has yeah. blood on his hands, Iran. He, he, he's like, willing okay. to sit down and talk with Iran. And he says, and this is, I mean, he was asked, he was asked explicitly, would you cancel the Iran deal? Because other people have said, you know, they're going to cancel. And, and we know Ted yeah. Cruz has said that he would revoke the deal with yep. Iran. But what he did, Rand Paul did, was he says, well, I'm against the deal. But he did not say yeah. that he would cancel it as president. Yeah. And yeah, so, you, I mean, you have to really listen to these guys closely. So not only did no, he say no. he wouldn't cancel the deal, he said he would sit down with them. So to me, that was a, a bit that was terrible. Yeah. No, that was terrible. It tells you how much does he mean not giving money to countries who hate us if he's going to do that. It's like, right. that's just terrible. It's the greatest state sponsor of terrorism on earth. That's a fact. Everyone knows that. So he's willing to sit down with them? What I mean, what have they done to earn a sit down with the United States of America? Nothing. They John, earned, John, they, John in the chat room earned, says, what they yeah, go ahead. Bombs. That's what they earned. But go right. on, sorry. Um, John, uh, actually, we have got two Johns in the back in the chat room, but neither of them like Rand Paul very much. Uh, John Bayan says that Rand Paul is simply awful in terms of foreign affairs. And then John Stewart says Rand Paul comes across as an angry teenager that hasn't gotten his way. And I think that I didn't yeah, get as much whiny. of that when I was only yeah. listening. Because yeah, if I had been whiny. seeing him, it would have come across right. more that way, I bet. I was only hearing well, him, and I was very impressed yeah. with some things that he said, and I was listening sure. content, content, content. And but, okay. yeah, I, I probably would have seen when, him. When, uh, when uh, Scott Sleepwalker was, was talking, I wasn't sure if it was him <laughs> or not. I was like, is this the guy? I don't know. No, but it's, he has no personality and no charisma, and I'm, it is important to an extent. It's not just a superficial thing. It, it means something about if someone can be present and have something to say and say it well. And he didn't really. I wasn't sure. I said, "Is that Scott Walker?" I wasn't. I wasn't sure at times. Which is not good. They they they, uh, they they like that Sleepwalker name that you've got here yeah. in the chat room. So hopefully that yeah, is going to. He earned stick. that middle name, Sleep. He earned it like Jeb earned his name. John Stewart well, wait, does they, say they, that he likes Rand Paul better than most of the others, so that's good. I, I do too. Sure, I mean, sure, I would no, no, I would vote oh, for him no, like no, I'd no. vote for Rubio without holding my nose too badly, right? You know, the the foreign policy thing is just pretty scary because his father pops out of him sometimes. It's pretty scary. And he keeps a lid on it, but it slips up like it did the other day. It slips up. That's why I call him Ron Paul at times. Right. Now, Stuart Hayashi in the chat room here is pointing out something that he pointed out during a prior show as well. So thanks, Stuart, for bringing it up again, which is that Carly Fiorina was a student of 
the objectivist yeah. management professor Edwin Locke and also co-wrote a paper with Edwin Locke about the Hawthorne experiments. I don't I don't remember what the Hawthorne experiments are. So you can fill in if you want and people in the chat room can look at that, but look that up. What it really tells you, and I've made this point in prior shows, is that we have two standout candidates in this election cycle. And these two seem to be breaking themselves away from the rest of the pack if you're looking at any substance. And what is the what is the difference that makes the difference maybe with these two candidates? And it could be the influence of Ayn Rand's ideas. It could. Now, we'll have to you know learn more about that. But we know for sure that Cruz has gone out and on the Senate floor recommend that everybody read Atlas Shrugged. And that's what initially got my attention, other than the fact that he was actually standing up for defunding Obamacare, which was a good cause. And sorry, but, when, he, when he was uh, when he was uh, a senator elect, he said that Mitt Romney French kissed Obama in, in the third debate. That's funny. And that was like, yes. whoa, that's, I mean, this guy, that's just a good line. Yes. And that's when he was just, you know, before he became officially a senator. So that was right. that was nice. I was like, okay, this guy's got something, you know. Now, I've got only a minute and a half, so what I've got to do is I've got to urge people to run over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. I've got an important video of uh, Snowden's attorney, Ben Wisner from ACLU, describing the positive effect of the Snowden disclosures on our ability to check the surveillance state, that there's four different concrete influences. There's also a couple horrific stories about physical attacks against free speech, um, both in Bangladesh and in Brazil. Free speech is an important issue. It is crucial, the fact that Trump gets it very, very wrong and that Ted Cruz gets it very, very right. Um, this is a very important issue people need to look into. So, uh, Bosch. Thank you for calling in this evening. I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, hang up now. Everybody go to faustin.blogspot.com if you want to support him. Again, go to don'tletitgo.com to check out my blog, make more comments. I'm sorry there's been a few more callers that I haven't been able to get to here this evening. I think there's at least two that I haven't gotten to. So please tune in next week on Friday or Saturday. Follow me on social media to see which, and I'll talk to you next time. Have a good night, everyone. Have a good rest of your weekend.